Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Man, we are so glad that you guys are here. Uh, welcome to Momentum. If uh, you're a first-time guest, my name's Tim. I'm the pastor, and uh, the desire here is just that you would know that we are so glad that you're here. We're hoping that you would come, and we want you to feel welcome. Um, we we want to be a church that is Jesus followers. want to be a church that also is in touch with the world, with reality, and, and where people are at, and we want to combine the two. And so we say here at Momentum that we're simply a community of Jesus followers who together are an unstoppable force for good, driven to change the world. And we truly believe that. We believe that we can change the world. We believe we are changing the world one life at a time. And so if you're here, first time guest, I just want to tell you we're glad that you're here. Welcome to Momentum. We do have a gift that you probably would want. So before you leave, can I meet you? I would love to meet you. If you're a first-time guest, shake your hand and put, uh, I think we got a $5 Starbucks gift card for a first-time guest. It's just our way of saying thank you for coming. Um, I'll be right outside at at our table there. I would love to uh, meet you before you leave. So we're glad you're here. If you are a first-time guest, let me tell you, you know, this may be the church for you because it's your first time here and we're already making it easy. Say, what do you mean? How are you making it easy? Well, we're not having church next Sunday. So uh, that's a little bit different, right? That's a little bit different. It's all about strategy. That's what it is. But uh, no, seriously, there will be no church, Momentum Church anyways, here next Sunday. So if you come here, we just apologize. We won't be here. Um, we will be with friends. We will be with family. And uh, that's, that's how we as a church say a couple things. Number one, it's how we do rest, but it's how we say thank you to our church family and our volunteers who work so incredibly hard week after week after week after week. So I think you guys do better than that. I think I went to a Wahoo game with it. I heard a little bit more noise than that. So great job. And I do appreciate this morning I got to go to each environment and give high fives and hugs and tell them I love you. Thank you for serving. And it's because of our great people and, and doing it in the love of Jesus that that we get to experience momentum. I'm so excited to be here. Let me tell you real quick about yesterday, and if y'all help me today, I got several things I got to do, so from a communicator standpoint, I just need a little grace. Is that okay? Can I have an umbrella of grace today? Um, I got several different things that I got to navigate through, and I'm I'm totally excited to do that and still want it to kind of flow. So this is kind of like the last Sunday of the year, and there's a lot of stuff happening. But uh, the first thing I do want to do is I just want to say thank you. I think yesterday we had right around 40 people that came out, 40 people that gave about five hours, four or five hours of their Saturday morning, yeah, to distribute the things we collected. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, real quick, I'll bring you up to speed. We had something called Chris, Christmas for a cause, and it was truly a, a God thought and what we did is we rented out uh, the Gulf Beach Pavilion. It's uh, the amphitheater on the beach, right where the beach ball is. We, we rented that out last Sunday, and it was just incredible, man. Our, our band did an awesome job. We had a choir. That was really cool. And uh, we sang. The kids got up on stage. They danced. They loved it. It was awesome. But the coolest thing was we were bringing the community or um, a gathering or actually the same word translated in the New Testament, which is church, just kind of interesting, um, not 
not even necessarily a religious word, but a gathering. We were bringing a gathering of people together with a common goal and a common good, and that's the common God. And what we were doing is we are saying, you know what, we want to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season, and, and the way we can do that is we can love the poor. In the Bible, Peter says this. He's, he's um, talking to this new guy that just kind of joined the ranks, and he says, hey, Paul, by the way, don't forget the poor. It's important to God. Proverbs says this, that when we lend to the poor, we lend to God, and God pays back in full. How many want to lend to the poor knowing that you're lending to God? How many say, I want to live that kind of lifestyle? That's me. That's where I want to be. You know, you can argue the Bible all day long, or you can practice it. And if you just argue it, you'll turn a whole lot of people away, which is not the reason Jesus came. He came because they were already turned away. And our job is not to turn them away more. Our job is to connect the dots. And that's a holy God and the Christ man, Jesus Christ, connecting with us and right in the middle of our mess and him making all things good. And so that's what we wanted to do. We know there's a lot of homeless people. You don't got to be at Pensacola very long before you see homeless people everywhere. And some people have some things on signs that are interesting. And some people flat out tell you what they want it for. But we just say, you know what? They're made in the image of God. God loves them. And whatever we have done to the least of these, we've done it unto God. And God's no respecter of persons. And we don't want to be either. So we said, let's host this event. And man, let me just tell you guys, how many of y'all were there? Would you raise your hand if you you showed up? A good number of y'all. Man, for 30 minutes before the thing started, it looked like a tornado was going to hit And I mean, it was raining in front of us 300 feet, and God literally made the storm go just like this, and um, get rid of that, and uh, that's so cool because God still calms the storms. He still controls the storms, and it was a reminder for me who looked like all of our hard work, all of our prayer, all of our planning was getting ready to go down the toilet, and Jesus said, yo, I just hold out, watch this, watch what I can do. And it did a little U-turn and just went this way. And I prayed for a, the, a most beautiful sunset. We saw a most beautiful sunset. It was amazing. And God flexed. One more time, God flexed and said, there's no one like me. There's no one like me. My arm's not short that it cannot save. I'm not handicapped that I can't get up and do things. So God is still in control. Yesterday, we took all the stuff, man. We had blankets, socks, jackets, and then we had some people kick in some extra stuff, man. We had little, like, hoodies. There were momentum um, hoodies. They were amazing. Doug, thank you. That was just cool. I want you to know I wanted to keep about five of them, and um, I didn't keep one, man. When our staff saw it, they're like, give me one. I was like, no, these are for the homeless, and they were so excited. It looked amazing, and, man, we're watching people walk down the road. This morning, Brian said he's riding his bike here. That's crazy. And um, he said he's going downtown and a guy was showing another guy his new momentum sweatshirt with a hoodie. He's like, check this out. And, um, you know, it just was amazing to be able to give back. That's what Christmas is. Christmas is about giving. God said, I'm going to give you my most perfect, precious gift ever. And you don't even have to unwrap it because it's going to come unwrapped. And he will be born of a virgin, and she will give birth to Emmanuel, God, with us. No wonder they call him the Savior. And so we just, we wanted to experience true Christmas yesterday. And man, 
I tell you, we went to be a blessing, but we left, and I tell you, they were a blessing to us. It was amazing. I tell you, I love God's stories. I'm addicted. I'm an addict. I'm 37. My name's Tim, and I'm an addict. I'm addicted to God's stories. And I saw some God stories playing out yesterday. You know, we're all like a dot on a huge line, and our life is like a dot on this line. This line has been going for a long time, and it's filled with incredible drama, and it's filled with incredible stories. It's the story of God, and, and if we would just kind of lean into him, we'll be able to just be a part of this universal, epic story, the story of God. And yesterday, we saw the kingdom of God come to earth as it is in heaven. And it was amazing, man, as, as people were loving people. And you could just see God start changing and working in people's hearts. One of our own teenagers, the last place we were at, we hit four different places. The last place we were at, it's right under the bridge. Is it, um, help me here, I'm gonna get it wrong. But loaves and fishes, yesterday I said fishes and loaves, I think. But, um, but underneath, man, we had people come and one of our own teenagers, I'm so proud of her, she, uh, a lady came, didn't have a jacket her size, and she took her coat off and gave it to her without hesitation. And as we were leaving, just a holy brokenness of uh, uh, aha moment of how blessed we truly are. And she started weeping, her family getting around her, and adults we were watching in, we were peering in to the drama, this epic drama of God's love being demonstrated in the heart of a teenager. And it was epic. And then several of us had tears just coming down our cheeks. That is the spirit of Christmas. And it's amazing. And it's addicting. And God wants it told. And so today, I'm going to tell that story. And, but I'm going I'm to share a way different angle of the Christmas story. You know, you talk about Christmas. There's so many pieces and parts of the Christmas story you can talk about. And we could, we could speak for months on Christmas. But man, I just want to, I want to talk today, if I can, about five sisters. That's, that's the title of the message is five sisters. And I, I want to I get before the Christmas story. It's actually part of the story. It's, it's part of that line, but we miss it. You know, out of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, out of the four, only two of them go straight to the Christmas story. And that's Matthew and Luke, and, 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 and Mark and John jump right into it with the gospel of Mark jumping into John the baptizer. You know, I always thought he was John the Baptist, you know, like he was Baptist, you know. But that, no, he was John the baptizer is who he was. And, and, and then, then we come over here and Mark gets right into it. But, but Matthew, being a very detailed person, tax collector, walked with Jesus. He was an eyewitness to the miracles of the maker this great guy said, you know what? I'm going to go to great extent to record this story as it should be. You know, when you talk to people, one of the things you want to do is you want to connect with them. You want to connect. I'm here, you're there, and I'm trying ever since I got up to shorten the gap. I'm trying to connect with you. Well, Matthew had an audience. His audience were the Jews. He was writing specifically to Jews. The Jew, the Jewish people, the Jews that he was speaking to, they were really big into genealogy. They were really big into the stats, the data, if you're tracking with me. And so from the very beginning in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew goes right after closing the gap between him and his Jewish audience so that they could see face 
to face. And he begins, to be honest, he begins with what we would kind of think is the boring part. But it was actually an incredible strategic part on his end because where he started was with Father Abraham. Any of you ever sing that song growing up, Father Abraham had many sons? You remember that song? Oh my, had many sons, had Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, so are you, you know? And then I think the next part was like, so let's just praise the Lord. And then we did something stupid, you know, we were like right arm, and all of a sudden our right arms just started doing this thing, we couldn't stop it, you know? And, and the teacher, the Sunday school teacher was loving it, because she was like, I know what's happening, you're actually singing this, but I'm trying to get your wiggles out, <laughs> I'm trying to wear you down so you sit down and listen, Right? And, and Father Abraham, but he was the guy that was the father of this nation. And Matthew, closing the gap to his Jewish audience, says, let's go all the way back to the beginning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew, if you got your iPhones, you pull it out. iPads, we're looking at Matthew, and we're going to read chapter 1, verse 1, because really this is where the story starts. The family tree, I'm reading from the message the family tree of Jesus Christ, David's son, Abraham's son. Abraham had Isaac. So we start from the very beginning. You remember Father Abraham. Abraham was an old man. He couldn't have kids. Wife couldn't have kids. They were really old, okay, really old. Pre-Viagra, just saying. They were old and they were hopeless. They wanted kids. God had promised them He'd be the father of many nations. Well, that's a problem when you're like 90-something years old and you don't have any kids. That's a problem, especially if you're the woman. That's a problem. And so here he is, and God, he's got a word from God, and he tells his wife, and she, ha, she laughs because she's like, I'm not having a baby. I don't know about you, good luck, but I'm not having a baby. I think we're a little too old for that. And, and God says, no, 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 um, you're going to have a baby. And and. And they had a baby before the promised baby, but that baby wasn't God's way. That baby was their thinking. She did something crazy. She told Abraham, hey, you know, I have a maiden, and Hagar's her name. Go ahead and sleep with her, and then we can have a baby, and you'll be the dad. And it's okay. It's not my child because I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here, but we'll have a child. And Ishmael came about, but Ishmael wasn't God's plan. God's plan was Isaac. And God said, we got a miracle happening. I know that this is crazy to you, but what's impossible to man is not impossible with God. Can I just go ahead and hear a hand clap, hear someone get excited, because that's a word for you today. What's impossible in your life is not impossible for God. In fact, God loves impossibilities. And it starts all the way in the first chapter, in the first verse, in the first book of the New Testament, the family tree of Jesus. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob had Judah, lion and tribe of Judah, and his brothers. Judah had Perez and Zerah, and the mother was Tamar. Today I want to talk about five sisters if we can, because we're going to talk about the genealogy here, the 14 generations and 14 generations, that number symbolic in the Jewish community. That would have been a red flag. That would have been a, hey, you got to read this email. I'm, I'm noticing that you when, when you get it, and I'm going to see if you've read it or not. So this was a red flag to them. They, they were connecting with this message. And the message was that Jesus Christ was coming and that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was the Messiah, the promised one, the deliverer, the Savior 
of the world. That's who he was. And Matthew's trying to close the gap with the audience. And he says, let's kick back to Abraham. But then he does something really interesting. Because in this gene, these genealogies here, what you notice is the name of five women. And these five women are very significant. Although some of them were insignificant to God, they were very significant. Because grace is significant. That's the takeaway today. If you just want to check out, if you don't want to hear another word I have to say, just remember what I'm telling you, that grace is significant. And here in the first book of the New Testament, in the first chapter, in the first few verses, all of a sudden, we're going to be introduced to grace. They had the law before. Now, grace is being birthed. And grace is going to come, and it's going to settle in like this incredible storm. And grace is going to lead us home. And it starts with the baby Jesus. But the genealogies, we come to this first name, and there's five women in this genealogy, and women weren't normally in the genealogies. It was from man to man to man to man. And, but all of a sudden, he throws back, and there's five women showing up that's really, truly important for you and I today and for the whole Christmas story. And it starts with a woman named Tamar. I don't know if you know Tamar's story or not, but Tamar, um, she, uh, <laughs> she, she was deceitful. You ever been deceitful? Are we quiet today? <laughs> That's right. Anyone ever been deceitful before? Yeah, I've been deceitful before. You know, but I was just trying to get what I wanted. Well, guess what? Tamar would have been right there because the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 38, you ought to read this if you've never read it, really crazy, probably rated R Bible story. It's found in Genesis 38, 13 through 20, and it tells us of this woman named Tamar who was a Canaanite woman. She was a Canaanite woman, and she, she, um, she, she posed as a prostitute to get Judah to be with her so she could get what she wanted. That's who she was. Here was this man that's in the line, the lineage of King David, Abraham to David, and David all the way to Jesus. This guy's important, Judah, the line and tribe of Judah, he's in there. And this woman, her goal was to kind of trip him up to get what she wanted. She was um, a deceiver, Maybe adulterous, you might throw that one out there. Wasn't exactly a great girl, but she's in the scripture, she's mentioned. And then the Bible says Perez had Hezron, Hezron had Aram, Aram had uh, Minadab. I wonder what his middle name was. Minadab had Nashon, Nashon had Salmon, Salmon had Boaz, his mother was Rahab. Oh, there's the second woman mentioned, Rahab. You remember Rahab, right? You remember God told his people, hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to Jericho, we're gonna take the city, the walls are gonna flat, they're gonna fall flat, and I'm gonna send spies, that's the land I promised you, go get it. But there were, there were crazy stuff, there were like giants and grasshoppers and grapes, if I remember the story, kind of, I mean, there, there was some really crazy stuff, these these things in this land were big. The giants were crazy. Even the grapes were huge. They, they came back and the spies, 10, said, I don't think we can. Two said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and God says, listen, 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 I'm going to tell you about this land. I promised you, but I'm going to use a woman who actually 
is a prostitute, but I'm going to use her in this line, in this God story. I am going to use her. God can take any mess and turn it into a miracle. Grace is significant. That's Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then it comes to a woman. This woman, the next one, if, if I see it here, is the next verse. Boaz had Obed. Ruth was the mother. Ruth, who is Ruth? You remember Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite woman. Just a little Bible history here. The Moabites weren't God's favorite people. Um, in fact, their, um, their nation during this time, they were cursed. And God Almighty said, Moabites cannot enter into my sanctuary, into my presence up into the 10th generation for a sin that they had committed. But God uses a woman named Ruth to be in this genealogy that we read about leading us to the Christmas story. Her offspring, they were forbidden to enter the assembly of the Lord for 10 generations, but she's in there. And, and we keep reading. And then Jesse, you remember Obed, that was the grandfather of King David. And Obed had Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. You remember David, he was Goliath, remember? He killed Goliath, that was that story, David and Goliath. And Saul's like, take all my stuff, and I'll give you my daughter, I'll give you money, I'll give you whatever you want. Please take care of that dude, because I'm scared to death. And David goes out there, and the Bible really was more, instead of David and Goliath, it was really more of a story of God and Goliath, and that God is bigger than your Goliaths. And David believed that God was with, was with him. Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe he always has been. Maybe we'll have enough faith to believe he always will be. And David goes after the greatest giant and he takes him down only to go out and take the Goliath, take his own sword. That was pretty heavy. And he cut his head off and then he raised, I mean, this is an epic story, rated R right in the Bible. And he raises his head up to the nation of Israel saying, look here, look what God has done. You know what? Maybe you just need to be reminded today that no matter who the Goliath is in your life, screaming, cursing at you, lording over you, being bigger and bull, being a bully in your life, whatever that is, maybe it is an addiction for real. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's an area where you're stuck in a rut. Can I just tell you that God is greater than Goliath? And David cuts his head off and he claims victory for God. And David was a man after God's own heart, but he was not only a man after God's own heart, he was a man after his own heart. Because one day, up on a rooftop, he saw a woman. She was beautiful. She wasn't just beautiful. She was naked. And that made her really beautiful to him. And he began to look, and he began to lust, and he shouldn't have been on the rooftop. He should have been at war, but he kind of arranged his schedule to fit her bath time. And up on the rooftop, no Saint Nick, it was David, and David's watching this woman, and lust is multiplying in his heart. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life, because his life was getting ready to be infected with sin, and when sin comes, it brings a baby, and that baby is death, and it did bring death because David slept with Bathsheba, and their first child died, and 
they have another child by the name of Solomon. That's Bathsheba. She was married, by the way, so she had adultery. She was married to a warrior. His name was Uriah. Uriah. They not only did David have adultery, but then David arranged his death and he told his generals, here's what's going to happen. When the heat of the battle comes, send him out. He's our point man. Man, I want you to fire him up. I want him to know how important he is. I want him to lead the charge. I mean, this is a brave heart moment. If there ever was one, give him a horse if he needs. He's going to lead everyone. And in the heat of the battle, he goes to the front and you retreat because we're going to take care of business. We're going to get it off of us. And I'm going to have that woman. She's going to be one of my wives. And then you keep reading the story, and the fifth lady's name is mentioned, and her name is Mary. I mentioned this a little bit last week, but just imagine being Mary. Um, Historians tell us, I don't know their ages, but historians and even, even Jewish historians tell us that Joseph was maybe around the age of 30 and that she was around the age of a middle school girl. And just think about this. Back then, marriages would be arranged most of the time. So here's maybe a 30-year-old man and maybe a middle school girl, and that just sounds weird saying it. Imagine what it looked like. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to a couple that couldn't have a baby and says, and by the way, they had a problem. Their problem was they thought God had forsaken them because they couldn't have children. They thought they had done something to separate them from the favor and blessing from Almighty God. And God says, no, that was actually my plan because I'm getting ready to change it and I'm getting ready to make all things new. And you're going to have a baby and his name is going to be John. And he's going to baptize a whole lot of people. Don't cut his hair. Don't give him any wine. This dude's special. And the Bible says that his father didn't believe it, and God hit the mute button so he couldn't speak until John was born. And the problem was, he's a preacher. Ha! Imagine that. He'd get up Sunday morning, it's your turn to speak. <laughs> Sunday after Sunday, God didn't really have a whole lot to say. He had to get a little creative because he didn't believe. But not only did an angel appear to them and tell them how it would unfold, an angel appeared to a middle school girl by the name of Mary. Can we pick up the story? The Bible says this. There were 14 generations, or excuse me, let me, verse before. Jacob had Joseph, Mary's husband, the Mary who gave birth to Jesus, the Jesus who is called Christ. There were 14 generations from Abraham to David, and another 14 from David to the exile, and yet another 14 from the Babylonian exile to Christ. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother, Mary, she was engaged to be married to Joseph. In biblical customs, manners and customs back then, their engagement was different than our engagement. The only way at the process or at the level of their engagement, the only way to break it off was for divorce to happen. So it wasn't like, hey, I don't like you anymore. Hey, I'm seeing things I didn't ever see before, and we're engaged, but I thank you, but no thank you. I'm out. It wasn't that. It was like, um, no, we are done, and divorce is being issued. And, and guess what? Not only is divorce being written and going to be issued, but there was only one reason why this would happen, and it was extremely embarrassing. And the reason was 
one of the two had been unfaithful. And everyone would know when there was no wedding bells the reason. Because it had escalated and elevated to that point in the process. And Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. Surprise. It's not mine. Whose is it? And Mary's like, uh, just bear with me, okay? Just don't say anything. Just listen to it. Let me get it all out. Then trust me, you may want to sit down. This is going to get a little funky. It's going to get a little weird. I know you're going to think I'm going crazy, but here's the real deal. This baby is not another man's child. This baby is from God. And the Bible says this. I love this. It was by the Holy Spirit, but Joseph didn't know that. Joseph was a noble man. He was a righteous man, the Bible says. Do you know that being righteous, the law back then said that if someone did this, the punishment was death. They were to be stoned because it was the highest level of embarrassment to bring to the family. So you have the law, but thank God you have grace. And grace is significant. And here, here is this Mary. She's one of like five you know, sisters of this family tree. And all of a sudden, the story is gonna get really, really good because the Bible says that Joseph determined to take their take care of things quietly so she would not be disgraced. You cannot have disgrace and have grace. You have to diss the diss to have grace. Are you with me this morning? That's what you have to do. You have to diss the disgrace so you can have pure grace. And that's what he said. That's what he was going to do. And he's trying to figure it out. And the Bible says, well, he was trying to figure a way out. He had a dream. But notice, well, he is working on how he's not gonna disgrace grace Then God speaks. He moves, then God speaks. That's how God always does it. God doesn't wait just to do something. Moses in the burning bush, you remember that story? The Bible says he sees a burning bush, and the Bible says he moves toward the mysterious. And his motion activated God's miracle. And that's what's happening with Joseph here. He's trying to figure it out because he doesn't want to dis. Grace. The Bible says that God's angel spoke to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived, is of the Holy Spirit. By the way, this had never happened before. And by the way, this would never happen again. This was special. This was a God thing. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth. And when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, which is interpreted God saves or Jesus saves. God saves because he, Jesus, will save his people from their sins. This would bring the prophet's sermon to full term. Watch for this. By the way, this is Isaiah 7, 14, prophesied hundreds of years previously. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is Hebrew for God with us. What I love about Christmas is Christmas is a proclamation. It is a declaration that God not only promises to be there, but God promises 
to be there with, thank God for that preposition, with you. That's good news today because you may be in a mess. Joseph was in a mess. How am I going to figure this? How am I explaining this to the parents about my family? We got travel arrangements made. Got to go pay our taxes. This changes everything. And maybe you're in that type of moment in your life right now where a husband or a wife said, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. I haven't loved you for years. I put up with you. I haven't really loved you, but I'm out. Peace, whatever. I hope you have a great life. Just don't mess my life because my life ain't this life. No more. Maybe this year you just lost some huge investments and, and what you had worked your whole life for to save is no longer there and you're wondering what to do in the middle of your mess. Maybe you got pregnant, you weren't planning on getting pregnant, but hello, you got pregnant and now you got a baby and it's a mess because it's just hard, it's not easy. God meets us in our messes. Or maybe you're a virgin middle school girl and God appears and said, you have been chosen by Almighty God, not because you are perfect, but because you are blessed and highly favored, and you will carry the Savior of the world. Try explaining that to your fiancé who's 30 and you're 14, 13. Good luck with that. Joseph woke up, and I love this, because John's daddy laughed, so he didn't talk, but Joseph did exactly what God's angel commanded him to do in the dream. He married Mary but he did not consummate. That's the last stage in the Jewish wedding. He, he didn't sleep with her. He didn't consummate the marriage until she had the baby. And he named the baby Jesus. You know what I love about this story is um, these five sisters of this family tree is that from the very beginning, God is like, let's just... Let's just kind of go through everything. And yeah, David's going to be in there. And Abraham, Father Abraham, that'll get your right arm going for sure. But those guys were great. But let's, let's also just remember five women who really were caught in the middle of a mess. And it will be through, even through all those stories and those dots on this God line that my grace will be ushered in and you will call his name Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. That's what we need. So maybe if you've heard the Christmas story and you're like, I don't believe that for real, come on, you're going to really expect me to believe that angels appeared in the sky. I've never seen an angel. That just sounds a little loopy to me. But, you know, okay, if you believe it, that's cool for you, not for me. I, I just not believe in that. Kind of more in the fairy tale category, but that's cool. If you like it, good for you. I believe in Santa Claus. Maybe if that's where you're at, can I just tell you that this wasn't a, just a perfect story? The story was birthed out of a mess, and grace was birthed so that disgrace would not bleed, and Jesus is born, and his name's Emmanuel, which means God with us. I'll close with this today. God is with you. I should shake my head, yes. He's not against you. He's with you. He's for you. He died to reach you. If, if you have no plans Christmas Eve, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about how, you know, every Christmas we talk about how Jesus was born to die. That's true. The Bible says he, he came 
to seek and save that which was lost. He had a goal. He had a plan. He saw the cross. But ladies and gentlemen, he saw a way past the cross. And that's Christmas Eve. You don't want to miss that. The cross was a, a point on the map. It was really, really huge and important. But he saw a little further, a little deeper. There was a bigger story than the cross. And if, if you don't believe me, you just need to come hear it because you'll hear it from the word of God tomorrow. He saw something bigger and greater. That's why he came. That's the God we have. Because he came to be with us. Wherever you are today, maybe, you know what? Maybe you are right in one of the biggest messes of your life. You have no idea how you're going to get out of this one. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've messed up. Bathsheba messed up. Yeah. And God still extends grace. God's grace is amazing. And it's the only thing that will get rid of disgrace. Maybe you've been shunned, you've been shamed, maybe you've been tamed by religion. My friend, what you need is Jesus. Because he loved you enough to leave heaven and everything perfect to come to the middle of a mess to take what was all wrong and turn it into the most precious present ever given, the present of eternal life, which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is the Savior of the world. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?